the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United show. I'm, I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, on Beyond the Pitch. Delighted to be joined here with, of course, a fantastic, what is now one of the best podcasters in the business. If you haven't checked out this guy's podcast, there's something seriously wrong with you. At Football CFB, of course, um, just a litany of stars every week. I don't know who this guy's rubbing shoulders with, what backhanders he's paying to people, but you need to check out his podcast. I couldn't be prouder of him for what he's accomplished. It's such a short space of time. He now has easily one of the best podcasts in his business. Uh, he's organically growing. He's adding writers. He's adding contributors. And really showing how it's done. And I am, could not be prouder of him. One of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. And having resounding success, he's now joining me on the Manchester United Show. Had I haven't done it in a few weeks, which I'll get into why. But first of all, Callum, thanks for joining me on the show, mate. It's a pleasure, Phil, to join you anytime, and, and you know how much of a, a help and support you've been for me, not only with Football CFB, but on a personal basis as well. And I cannot thank you and BTP enough for, for the opportunities that you've given me, and uh, I'm delighted to be back on the show. It's an absolute pleasure, as always. Well, mate, this will always be a home for you. Uh, BTP will always be a home for you, and I told you before, when you were getting in this game, I'll get to watch you from a distance, and marvel in your growth and I think it's great to see how well you're doing and I think it's great also for independent podcasters, broadcasters like ourselves and many others out there who have to fight really really hard for content and to get access to these people and to live your own dreams to be able to speak to these people and develop friendships with people you never thought you would know. Um, before we get into the United stuff folks, I haven't done this pod in a few weeks, <clears throat> um, I'll get into a couple of reasons why. Two main reasons are physical and mental health um i was very very sick for a while um and uh was quite concerning thankfully doing a bit better now and then of course the old mental health the depression that just comes in waves and when i go into a headspace like that i i'm not capable of recording so we all know these are difficult times for everybody everyone's going through difficult moments and um I know you are too listening to this so I'm sure you can understand what happens when these things take over your mind and uh, it's a battle but I'm here still fighting thank you to each and every one of you for the support uh, that you give me including this young man on the other end of the phone or on the other end of the line here and um, it really really does mean a lot it's also a reminder folks Never take anyone's mental health for granted, whether it's your own or whether it's someone else's. Check in, ask how people are doing. It's truly amazing how powerful it is when somebody asks how you're doing out of blue um, and when you're not doing well. And it's, uh, I've often been surprised at the answer that I've gotten from that from people I never thought were struggling. And um, so please think of each other during this difficult time. Uh, on to brighter things, Calum. United this weekend. 3-2 win against Southampton. <clears throat> and I went through my, my pendulum of emotions from anger in the first half to complete elation when Cavani scored. And there's so many things to pick apart here. First of all, when you look at the first half, what, what I asked myself at halftime, what am I angry at? I'm angry at the scoreline. 
I can't be too angry with how United have played. They've given away two bad goals, right? The first one was a bad goal. United should not be conceding from corners. It look, it's been an issue for a long time. United conceding from corners. When you look at Southampton last season, they done United in on set pieces, right? Here we are again, two set pieces. Uh, James Ward process, brilliant delivery, uh, brilliant free kick taker, brilliant corner taker, very dangerous, lovely ball in for the first goal. Second goal is gorgeous too, to be fair. But other than that, United were dominating the game. The things that concerned me though were here we are again, Rashford missing too many chances, young Mason Greenwood looking like, I don't want to say second season syndrome because I think that's really unfair, but looking like a young lad that needs to be taken out of the team and that responsibility falling onto someone with experience like Cavani who showed in the second half why he's so good Callum why you want him at United but uh, first half we'll start there um, what do you make of it? The, the first half Phil you, you've summed up there I, I thought United played played relatively well and <laughs> you summed it up perfectly by saying anger mm-hmm. I was so angry with the level of goals that were conceded but at the same time the deliveries Ward Prowse is an mm-hmm. exceptional exceptional talent and you have to really sometimes marvel at what he can produce but but, but from set plays United have to be better when you've got centre backs like a Harry Maguire who is known yeah. for being commanding in the air you need to see that he needs to evidence that every mm-hmm. time he walks onto the pitch in those situations so as you say, first half I was really angry. Um, one of the things that, that you highlighted on social media, Phil, and I agree with you, I know a few people have come back, at, at you and me, and I'll, I'll, come, I'll come to that. I feel that the midfield with Fred, Matic mm-hmm. and Van de Beek has a lovely balance to mm-hmm. it. Now, I yeah. know a few people on social media have came at you and came at me and said that defensively they, they could be suspect, defensively sure. they mm-hmm. can be got at. But at the same time, a club that United in most games, not all games, but in most games, should be focusing on what we can do. And with those three in the park, I think you've got a nice balance and something to build on. Well, what I didn't say was it's perfect, Callum, right? I just said it. I feel it's the best combination of a three at United, right? I know it has... I know it has uh, limitations. I know that it's not perfect. I know that with Fred, the, there's a concern about... You know, his past selection, there's a concern about him being in possession. Does he give a ball away too much? Uh, probably. But he still does the ugly things well. And he's still someone that I think is better than Maric in that role. Right? And uh, I think Maric might be technically slightly better. But I think Fred has more energy. I think Fred covers more ground. I think Fred is... I mean, look, he's not perfect. Could you improve on him? Sure. Right? But when we're talking about improvements in previous seasons, we're talking about gaping holes, right, that needed to be improved. Now we're talking about minor alterations. Can we improve on Fred? Sure. You know, you could go out and get a centre, a centre defensive midfielder. But the thing is, Cam, they don't come like they used to, right? That old style marriage type defensive midfielder is gone. Now you're seeing in that role the likes of Jorginho, playmaking centre defensive midfielders, Thiago. United looked at that player uh, over the summer. So if they replace Fred, they're not replacing him with an old-style defensive uh, d- d- defensive midfielder. They're, they're replacing him with a ball-playing midfielder. The question is, is there too many? One thing that is settled for me, Callum, and United are in a really, really awkward situation here, is Paul Pogba. Manchester United unquestionably are a better team without Paul Pogba. Unquestionably. Whether that should be the case or shouldn't be, it doesn't matter. They are. Right? So... 
when Pogba and when Fernandez came in, we asked the question: Could Pogba and Fernandez play in the same team? It was mouthwater and prospect. We wanted to see it. The answer to me, unequivocally, is yes against some poor teams, but not against good teams. And for me, Bruno Fernandez, in many ways, has shown Paul Pogba what a top-class midfielder looks like. That's what a top-class midfielder is. Not just on his his contribution with goals and assists, but his whole attitude, his whole demeanour, his whole determination and desperation to win, to affect games. When you hit it behind, he desperately makes something happen. He's desperate to get the ball. He doesn't hide. Tries to make things happen. He gets the goal, gets it back in the game against Southampton at the weekend. It's always him and his leadership, even at 2-2, He's screaming at players to get back at the ball, back, let's go get that third goal. That's exactly what I want to see in a midfielder. That's a, you know, and, and I said this on social media earlier, and this is no exaggeration. Bruno Fernandes, for me, has been the best midfielder in Europe since he signed for Manchester United. I, 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 people, the other obvious comparisons are De Bruyne and everything. De Bruyne is very, very good. To me, when is Bruno Fernandes going to be in the shed for Ballon d'Or? Because if he carries on this form with his goals and assists, if this was for Real Madrid, if this was for Barcelona, if this was PSG or something like that, we'd, be, we'd have no hesitation in talking about this. But because he's at Manchester United, and we're a bit ashamed to say that, because United haven't won leagues and what have you, Bruno Fernandes should be in the shed for Ballon d'Or. When you look at his statistics and the level of goals and assists that he that he delivers, he's going to be up there for the top prizes individually. He simply has to be, um, especially if he can continue to do it at such a consistent level as he's shown so far in his Manchester United career. You're right about him. Um, one of the best midfielders in Europe, but crucially, the impact he's had, and you've alluded to it there, on not just his role in the team, but others around him. He's shouting at players to get back. You see his attitude. As soon as he scores that goal, he goes and gets the ball. It's time to go again. 2-2, go and get the ball. Time to go again. And it's that relentless attitude that every single top team needs if they're going to challenge for trophies, if they're going to challenge to be at the top end of the table. And he's the sort of player that even if he's having an off day, he can affect the other players around him, even if he's not having the best day on the ball himself. And for me, that is the making of a top, top footballer. He's got the perfect attitude for a club like Manchester United. You're right with what you said about Paul Pogba. Fernandez is what Paul Pogba should have been. Mm-hmm. And some people might say that's harsh because Pogba has had some really notable games for United. You think of the Manchester City game under Jose Mourinho where he stormed the second half and changed the game and on his own at times, it felt like. But we've not seen enough of that from Pogba and from Fernandez. We've had nothing but consistency and long may it continue because he is an absolute joy to watch in having this Manchester United team. Now, nah, look, he's one of these players. If you ask any fan around the world, <clears throat> do they want Paul Pogba on their team? Most fans wouldn't care. They don't see an obvious dividend, an obvious benefit that Paul Pogba brings. Ask any fan around the world, would you want Bruno Fernandez? You'd have to be insane to say no. Right? So, Bruno Fernandez is. For me, up there with Cantona, up there with Ronaldo, with some of the best signings United have ever made. Absolutely inspirational. The thing that I also was impressed with the second half was that Fernandez wasn't alone in leading that United team. Edison Cavani came into that game and was determined to make a difference, determined to, to get United back into that game. Came in with an attitude that spread amongst the rest of the team that 
we aren't beaten. We can win this game. Get a game. Get a goal. We're back in this game. And that's infectious. If Cavani doesn't come on second half, United don't come back and win that game. No way. Right? His movement is exceptional. His work rate is exceptional. His intelligence is just knowing where to be at the right time. A true number nine. A gold sniffer. I know he's a number seven, but you know what I mean. I think that he is now the second highest goal scorer at the football club, right? Which is truly remarkable, right? And since he's not even starting games. Him and, it's no surprise to me, that Cavani and Fernandez, two top goal scorers at the football club, right? and the two leaders at this football club. And for me, Cavani has to start now. He has to start. He probably should have started after the weekend. He needs to take that responsibility off Mason Greenwood, who feels a bit like he is in a bit of a rut. Mason Greenwood needs to get games against teams like Basiksa here or in the League Cup, I think, you know, in cup competitions where he can get goals, get 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 his confidence back and, and you know, he's because if at the weekend, Callum, he's had two good chances. Right? One of them straight down the goalkeeper's throat. He should be putting that either side of him. He's got a good look at goal, he's got time. He should have been doing better. The first one, he goes around the keeper. He's still got a good look at the goal and puts it wide, right? So these are chances you can't afford to miss. Goals change games. If Mason Greenwood or Marcus Rashford takes take those chances at the weekend, we're looking at a whole different game, right? So for me, I think you can't you can't have that. That was so costly for United in that game, and I think uh, you know, lucky enough that we took those chances second half, but the first half. Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rice were, were largely responsible for United being in the mess that they were in. I hate to be nostalgic and, and people will, will shoot me down for saying this, but it just his performance, um, Cavani, when he scored the goals and the movement for the goals, it just you had to draw parallels to the Southampton match that Sir Alex Ferguson managed in his last season where Van Persie was, was, was the man on that day who was the inspiration. As you, as you mentioned, his movement, his determination, it just rubs off on those around him. He's a leader. And as you've said, he's the sort of guy, when he came into United, uh, the people that were for his signing in the club briefed, of course, that he was a player who would not only lead on the part, but lead off it. And I think United are seeing the fruits of that now. You can clearly see that he's not here for one last paycheck, as some of the critics tried to say um, when, he, when he arrived. He's clearly here to, to give it his all. He's here to score goals. And, and he's shown that off the bench. So if he can get himself to a consistent level of fitness, um, because obviously it would have been difficult for him when he just arrived, having not played football for a number of months. Once he's there, I agree, for me, he has to start because he is an out-and-out centre-forward. And as much as I really enjoy watching Martial, as much as I enjoy watching Rashford, I still feel that United need to play with an out-and-out centre-forward. And that's what Cavani is, because he knows when to move, he knows when to drift. And, and again, as I said with Fernandes, Crucially, if he's not having his best moment or he's in a tricky position on the pitch, he'll move himself out the way to make space for someone else. Whereas I feel that at times Martial and Rashford are all about getting in behind and maybe don't have at times that intelligence to, to, to think, I'm not in the best position, but can I make a move to bring someone else into mm-hmm. the best position? Look, uh, one of the things that I said when you had to send him was this is an upgrade on a gallo, right? 
lovely guy, E. Galloway's and all that. They're absolutely, and Don, you know, really uh, didn't, uh, didn't, like, didn't let himself down or United down when he signed. Job done, really nice guy and all that. Door. But this is a predator. This is a guy that has a contract with an option of a second year. I don't think there's any question United you know, will be exercising that second year, right? Um, and I will talk about his transgression in a minute because it is a shame that after that game, we're now talking about this stupid incident on social media. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, I think Cavani was so impressive at the weekend, so exciting. Uh, and and I know United have come from behind at home before, away from home you know, a few times a season. But that was a question that United were asked questions at the weekend that they've been asked questions before, and you've got a totally different answer. That at the weekend we got an answer we haven't gotten a long time. Can you come back? The last time we saw that, I think, was City or Brighton, I can't remember. City away, let's say, in, in a big game. So, Hampton are a good set, right? Ralph Halsenhull's done a good job there. But the way United came back into that game, it had shades of the United of old when Van Persie scored a hat trick there. I think it was he scored. They won that game 3 2. Um, the way United came back in that game was something I haven't seen from them in a long time, a fight that I haven't seen from them in a long time. A refusal to accept defeat, a refusal to even accept a draw, you know. Because one of the things I've criticised them in the past is when was the last time you saw United go gung ho after going going a goal down and, and trying to get back in it or getting a goal to get back in the game? It just never materialises. This time it did, and it materialised because of Edison Cavani up front and Bruno Fernandes and a couple of other key players. Um, on the negative side, uh, Callum Marcus Rashford is a concern. Marcus Rashford's a brilliant, brilliant football player. But Marcus Rashford misses too many too many chances. And again, like I said, goals change games. Now, the positive about Rashford is if he's not scoring, he's creating. Right? He's got four assists this season, two goals, four assists. That's not bad, right? Lovely assist for Cavani's goal. But if you look at the rest, he needs forward line. Greenwood, zero goals. Martial, zero goals, zero assists. That's not good enough. United need goals from their forwards. They need goals from other players. And, and 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 this is again they they're having to play with two up front because they don't have a right winger, which is hopefully Diallo comes in January and and improves in it, uh, and gives them an option. But the thing is, the the rest of these strikers need to contribute, and uh, that that the, the, if we were if we didn't have Cavani, we don't win that game at the weekend. Uh, uh, and it, the the only positive for me is Martial will hit form, right? And he's streaky, we know. And when he hits form, he'll go on a run of games of scoring goal after goal after goal. This is a United team they win the game in hand or two points off the top. Right? That's incredible. It's been one of these seasons, Phil, where at times you, you, you looked at United, say, two weeks ago, and you think languishing close to the bottom half, in the bottom half at times even, it's going to be a tough old season. And then, as, you, as, as you've just said there, you win a couple of games, a bit of positive momentum, mm-hmm. and, and and you're a game in hand away, as you say, from being third in the league, two points off the top. It's it's been a really strange season, and it's the, it's the sort of season that it's the, it's the obvious thing to say, but the, the, a team that can put a a consistent run together of eight, nine, ten games in a row could actually end up winning the title. Um, and the reason I say that is because every single side in the league so far this season has shown that. 
they've got a slip up in them. There's nobody that you can look at in the league and say they've been relentless from day one. Liverpool have had their slips. Tottenham have been were patchy when the season just started. Um, as as if other teams around them. I mean, talk about Arsenal. They they've slipped to 14th. I mean, it's one of these seasons where. With no fans being in the stadium, strange things are happening. Um, we've seen that uh, with mm-hmm. Aston Villa on, on several occasions this season. And crucially, this could be an opportunity for United to 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 to, to get to get a lot closer than people would would have said they would have given the transfer uh, business they, they they conducted in the summer. A lot of people thought, right, what was that the, the level of business that would get United closer to a city in Liverpool? On paper, you would say no. But something that a lot of us didn't factor in is that naturally, as good as City and Liverpool are, even the, the greatest of sides and the top sides, they can't hit top 90s every single season. There is always a natural rollback. I think we're seeing that with Liverpool and City this season. That's not to say they won't go on and be first and second, because I think they still have the strongest squads. But crucially, that rollback brings into play United, it brings into play Tottenham. And and why why go into games fearing the opposition when you've got players like Fernandez, when you've got Matt Rashford, mm-hmm. when you've got Van der Beek, when you've got Cavani? I agree with you on Martial and Rashford. They need to be providing more goals on a consistent basis. You you sum Martial up perfectly by calling him streaky. I also feel that Rashford can be like that with his goal output. I feel like he can go through a run where he looks as if he's going to score every time. I think, on the other mm-hmm. hand, he can go through spells where you wouldn't back him to score in a one-on-one. So, for me, if those players can hit form uh, at the same time, United could be a dangerous proposition in this league, and, and we all hope they do. Four wins in the trot as we speak at the moment, and long may it continue. Well, look, the next few games are going to tell a lot. There's PSG at home, West Ham away, that's a very difficult game. Then Leipzig, then City, right? We're going to find out a lot about how authentic United are over the next four, four or five games, right? Now, I'm not in a position where I trust Manchester United yet, right? We've been let down so many times in the past. We've been lo- and, and as a fan, I understand some of the cynicism that comes our way. Oh, we've heard this so many times before. I understand that. And for all this, the, the, the negative ninnies and the cynics out there that feel the need to point this out, that United have had so many false dawns in the past, trust me, we know. You're not telling us anything we don't know. We were well aware. Right? Trust is earned, and it's earned over consistent winning games consistently. United haven't done that yet. United are patchy themselves, and they're very, very hard to predict. So are they capable of going out and losing to PSG and West Ham and, and, and negating all this? Yes, absolutely. Right, um, so I, I'm not in a position to trust Manchester United yet. Right, but if you as a fan can't look at that game at the weekend against Southampton and take the positives and say, look, hopefully this is a sign that United are building character, that United are growing, that they are improving. Hopefully that I, I want to find positives. I don't want to look towards. So some people after United win are immediately looking to their next defeat. If that's you, I don't really understand why you watch football. I don't understand why you do this at all. So every fan is an eternal optimist. We're always looking for reasons to believe. So what I saw at the weekend was very, very encouraging. And I hope that is springboard for United to go against PSG, go in that game of confidence, go win it, right? And if, if say United were to win three of the next four games, maybe, maybe go draw, beat PSG, beat West Ham, and beat City. Maybe draw against Leipzig. Man, it, it, for me, that's a Manchester United that deserves 
to be taken seriously. And for me with Solskjaer, winning the league, you, you know, obviously that's the goal, right? But but that's not what I expect. If Solskjaer gets United comfortably in the top four this season, comfortably, we're not like we did last season, then that's progress to me. And this is a strange year because we've got way too many games. We've got way too many injuries, right? Uh, you know, you hear Jurgen Klopp moaning about it, and he's right to moan about it, but the way he's going about it, to me, is very distasteful. And, and you know, he's a guy that, as a United fan, I've had to admit I liked, which got me slaughtered, right? Um, but there is a nasty side to him that doesn't get enough scrutiny, in my opinion, that if it was Mourinho or anyone else, he'd be getting slaughtered. You know, Jurgen Klopp clapping the official at the weekend over three decisions at Brighton that were right, in my opinion. You know, Liverpool didn't talk about the need to scrutinise VAR after they were handed three points at Wolves. You know, for uh, Manny's goal being incorrectly given and Neto's goal being incorrectly disallowed. You know, so against Wolves. So to me, I think we all understand VAR is frustrating when it disallows certain things. You, know, you get a decision that goes your way. It's still subjective. And I think officials do an unbelievable job, by the way. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I think when you for for... These big clubs, lots of clubs are patchy because of the rotation, because of what they have to do to manage all these games. If for some reason, that seems understandable when City lose. For some reason, that seems understandable when Liverpool drop points. For some reason, that seems understandable for everybody else. But it never seems understandable for Solskjaer. And Solskjaer gets absolutely pillared. He's always 90 minutes away from having his job questioned. Mikel Arteta is always a good 90 minutes away from being used as evidence that he's an amazing coach, doing an amazing job, got Arsenal organised. He's so much better than Solskjaer. All his bollocks that permeated this defeat with Arsenal was still frustrating that you know, they lost that game. And... and the hyperbole of people who should know better, but so many people are committed to a narrative about Solskjaer not being good enough, being out of his depth because of their snobbery, and it colours their their reporting of him, which is really disappointing. Absolutely, I mean you, you've summed up the the agenda that some people appear to have when it comes to to certain managers. I mean. <laughs> Arteta's the one that that gets me. Yes, he won the FA Cup last season. Congratulations to him for that. But imagine that was Solskjaer, who had just been beaten mm-hmm. at home to Wolves, was sitting 14th place. They're playing their big rivals Tottenham next week. It would be imagine that was United that say we're playing City after the run like that. It would be ramped up. It'd be ramped up. Pochettino's face would be in all the back pages. Um, there, there would be talk of crises. There would be sources from the dressing room apparently saying this, that, and the next thing. Whereas with Arsenal, it seems to just be, oh, it's accepted, roll over and move on. And as you say, the next time they win 2-0 at home to Crystal Palace, wow, we starting to really Im- implement his style now. And it is frustrating and it's disrespectful. Um, mm-hmm. But but as you know, you know as well as I do, when it comes to managers, for whatever reason, once a narrative has been set, people tend to stick to it. I mean, we've seen it so many times over the years. I mean, Louis van Gaal's another one with, with hindsight that, yes, he said some some really um, erratic things, you may say, but he's a manager who deserves respect for what he'd achieved in the game, whereas towards the end, he was sort of portrayed as a as, as a sort of silly puppet, which, which frustrated me because there's always far more to a manager and what they're doing than a press conference. You need to look at the, the what's on the pitch. You need to you need to look at the body language of the players mm-hmm. and you need to analyse how that is going. Whereas it, it, too many times it, it's it's an opinion that's already been made and it's just been regurgitated. But you're right, this is a big, big 
test for United. These two Champions League games against Paris Saint-Germain and Leipzig are going to be crucial, as we know. You're talking about Manchester City in the league, which is going to be tough. You're talking about West Ham away. We know David Moyes needs no extra motivation when playing United. That's going to be a tough game as well. So, for me, you're right. United will be judged at the end of this. If Solskjaer can come out of this run of fixtures, which is tricky, in a relatively strong position, why can't United be taken seriously? Why can't United be looking to say, forget scraping into the top four, as you mentioned, let's get in there with a strong finish, let's back the manager next summer and look to build for for a long-term picture that is going in the right direction. It's what the fans want, it's Mm -hmm. what the club deserves, and it's time it happens. Look, another positive for the weekend, um, and again, I want to highlight United's signings, was both Tellez and Van der Beek. You know, Tellez is really, to me, looking like a very, very good good left-back. Very, very good signing, right? Uh, he, he He's fitter than Shaw. You know, to me, he's a better left-back than Luke Shaw. Uh, he is better defensively. You know, still a lot that's come from, from Alex Tellez. You know, he's still, to me, not 100% fit. But for the first time in a long time, I seem content with what we have at left-back, where I'm like, that's a quality left-back. Right, that's a that's a very very good player. I really really like Alex Tellez, and of course, Van der Beek. Now United fans have been crying out to see him, right? And every time he's played, he's impressed me. But Callum, for, that was his first 90 minutes for United uh, in the Premier League, and he handled it like he played there all his life. Some of the out balls that he was taking pressure off United, pinging them in the corners, just inch perfect, right? Uh, he has a lovely balance to him. He's very intelligent. You know his movement's superb. He's technically brilliant. You know he's under pressure. He never loses the ball. Um, that's a midfielder that could easily get double figures for United this season. A snip of forty million. And 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 I have no agenda against Paul Pogba, none whatsoever. Right? I desperately wanted to see Paul Pogba succeed, mate. I did. Right? I was really excited when he signed for United. I thought. How, how, how often do you need to send world-class players in their prime at 23? Very rare. And Paul Pogba is a gazelle. And I've and, and technically, he's magnificent. You saw Frank Lampard give an analysis of Paul Pogba that I feel is frighteningly accurate in the sense that we still don't know what he is. And if you're 27 and we don't know what your best position is, that's a problem. That means you haven't evolved into a world-class footballer because world-class footballers are easy to identify. And then, you know, we see him keep of doing pieces of magic, brilliant, you know, rolling studs, doing lovely little things that are technically superb. But he's not good enough at the key attributes you need in a midfield. Midfielders, you know, I don't like judging players by stats, but there's key stats for a midfielder, right? Three of them. Key stats are assists, goals, or how often you break up play. Paul Pogba is not good enough in those three areas, right? So, what is he? What does he contribute? When was the last time he grabbed the game by the gruff scruff of the neck? When was the last time you saw Paul Pogba in a situation where United were behind in the game, desperately want to get back into the game, screaming at players, telling players it's not good enough, telling players the upper temple, it just seems like he accepts it, like it's okay, it's not my problem, it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault. You know, you look at Bruno Fernandes, don't do it. He doesn't accept it. He does not accept defeat. He doesn't accept low standards from his from his colleagues. That's what a leader is. We wanted Paul Pogba to be United's captain. We wanted him to be the guy that built the midfield around. But it just hasn't happened. And now United are in a terrible situation with him because 
truthfully, the guy needs to be sold, right? The best thing for Manchester United Football Club is if he was sold, even if he wasn't replaced, and he was sold in January, I, I would have no problems with that, right? Uh, so you sell Paul Pogba, but the problem is no one's paying them, spending big money for him with COVID and with his form. Paul Pogba hasn't played like a footballer that deserves a big money move. Who's going to, if you're going to take it, if you've got 70 million to spend, you're not spending it on Paul Pogba. There's just too many risk factors, right? He's injured too much, right? He spent half of last season out injured. Now he's injured again, allegedly. Let's say he is. Let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt and say he's injured, right? This has been consistent year after year after year. And so United have now learned how to live without him. You have to. So he's not someone that is key to this football club. He's not someone that's key to how Solskjaer plays. And United are a better team without him, as as results show. So you're not looking at the team sheet going, ah, oh, Jesus, no Pogba this week. As you would if it was the Fernandez. Because you know what you miss. If you take Bruno Fernandez out of that team, you know what you lose right away. If you take Paul Pogba out of Manchester United, what are you losing? To me, Van der Beek's a better midfielder. For Manchester United, maybe Paul Pogba goes somewhere else and is a superstar, possibly. But this is about four Manchester United. United need to sell him, but now they're going to have to give him a contract to protect his resale value. Right? And to give him stupid concessions to get him to sign it. But, you know, maybe Paul Pogba doesn't sign it. Personally, I would like to see Paul Pogba turn a contract down and say he wants to leave. Right? And say, you know what? This is the right, right thing for me in my career. That's what I, I would like to see him do that. And you need to try to sell him in January. Otherwise, sell him in the summer. Right? And accept a cup price deal for him. Personally, I'd like to see him do that. Uh, I don't see him signing a new contract and all of a sudden blooming into a magnificent midfielder. It just didn't work. So for me, that's what needs to happen. But United are in a really precarious position because with 18 months left on his contract, they have to sell him now as soon as possible. I, I agree. I think it's it's important to, to say that we were all excited when Paul arrived at Manchester United. He is a World Cup winner, so he deserves the respect as a footballer. But crucially, you, you, you mentioned the fact that for Manchester United, is he the player going forward to, to really showcase his talents at the club and in the Premier League? I, I don't quite think so anymore. I think that time has now been and gone. I think the club need to accept that. I think he needs a fresh challenge and I think United need to, to bring in a player who can be more suited to the system that we, they want to play with the players such as Fernandez and Van der Beek around them because at the end of the day I think it will be best for all parties and it's something that, that has to be done. As you know Phil, I, I do a show with Manchester United legend Willie Morgan and, and Willie always says about Pogba, he's a World Cup winner, you have to give him respect but he's the sort of player I would like to play with if I was 4-0 up if it was if I was two 0 down, he's not the sort of guy I'd want to turn around and see in my team. You might say some people might think that's a harsh criticism, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who have that that view of Paul. I think it's undoubted that he is a talented player, mm -hmm. and if he goes for a fresh challenge, good luck to him. Hopefully, showcases his talent. But crucially, as you've said, and I'll echo, I don't think that's going to be at Manchester United because I think he's been here for a period of time. We don't know his best position. So many times we heard it was the coach that had to get the best of him, this, that and the next thing. I think at some point you just have to admit whether you're the club or the player, it's not quite worked. It's time to move on and good luck for, for the future for both the club and the player. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, Matt. And um, I think the other side of it is uh, I don't want to use 
pejorative terms like virus or anything, but I think that inside the dressing room, I feel it's best for them, for all considered to move Paul Pogba on and, and let him go somewhere that he's happy and where he can flourish. It's not You can't have a player like Paul Pogba in the situation that he's in. Right? You can't have him ratting on a bench. You know, they, 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 There's too much of an asset there, so you either have to make a decision. Either he plays in the first team or they sell him. And I think the only uh, solution at this point is to sell him. And one of the things that I'm pleased about, Callum, is that they've signed Van der Beek not as a, in almost in preparation for Paul Pogba's exit, rather than as a reaction to Paul Pogba's exit. So now you can plan accordingly. Now you can turn around and say, okay, we can integrate Van der Beek into the team for the next year. So he grows into that position, and then we can move Paul Pogba out with, with minimal fuss. That's exactly what contingency planning looks like. Rather than wait until you sell a player, then bring somebody in. I've criticised it in the past for not doing this, for not bringing in young players a year or two earlier to integrate them into a team and then let them flourish. So it's good to see them bringing in Van der Beek, who, and that's the biggest thing that you need to do with players. One of the, one of the issues with Wayne Rooney, when Wayne Rooney came and held United to ransom all those years ago, United had to fold because they had no alternative. They had no other Wayne Rooney. He was massive for sponsors. United were completely exposed, so they had to concede. They don't have to do that with Paul Pogba. Now, they probably will to protect his resale value, but they're in a situation where they can sit down with Pogba and say, Paul, you, you need to play your way into the first team, son. You know, and, and there's nothing on paper, not, not statistics, the, the key stats, the ones that we just talked about, that are indicating that you should be starting for, for Manchester United. You know, and, and Mourinho's analysis of Paul Pogba also was very telling in the sense that he was saying in a World Cup environment, Paul has no distractions. And I think there's a lot you can take from that, Callum, about Paul's off-the-field distractions. Um, great, you know, to me, he should be one of the best players in the world, technically capable of being one of the best players in the world. But the, it, it, to me, it, it's too difficult now for Paul Pogba to fix what's broken at United. I would love to see it happen. I would love to see him come in and be this world-class player and make me eat my words, and I would be the first one to correct myself, trust me. But, you know, you, we're talking about the eternal optimist here. You know, where, where's the evidence that, that, that um, we've, we've been let down too many times? So, um, you know, Cam, also, I want to move the conversation over to uh, Ollie Solskjaer because few people divide opinion as much as Pogba, but Solskjaer is one of them. And there's a large element of United support that I don't understand. I assume it's generational and, 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 and that's okay, you know, where they will only support Manchester United if their favourite guy is managing the football club. I don't understand that. I, I'll never understand that, right? Solskjaer to me, and I've said this many times, his legacy as a player is secure. I judge him as a manager. I don't know if he's the right guy for the job. I really don't. Time will tell. And if he's not the right guy for the job, I will say that. I'm not committed to a narrative, but lots of people are. But we're talking about a guy that just broke the club's away record, right? Eight consecutive wins away from home. That's an astonishing accomplishment. Yes, I am aware of his home record, but he's held accountable for his home record because his job's always on the line when he did lose. And so I don't think it's ignored in the analysis that he's got a poor home record. We know that. And he needs to improve, which is one of the reasons why that result against Basiksa here was so important for United, because it's a convincing home win. And then to build on that confidence, you know, so it is important that they find 
home form, you know, but I think that it is also important to acknowledge when you look at the stats, United have won more games where they've had less possession in the game. Where they've dominated possession, they've won less. That tells you an awful lot about how this United team play. And when they play in the break within a given space, they will cut you open. When teams sit in against them, United find it hard to break you down. Right? And that's not been a, a, that's not a new problem. Um, I feel that that's where Cavani is really, really important because when teams sit in against you, movement is key. Absolutely key. For Bruno Fernandes to defend you, you've got to move. I think this is where, where Cavani is going to be really, really important. So I think uh, for me that uh, you could see United are a better team on the counter-attack. That, that, of course, they need to learn how to win games when they're dominating possession. Um, but it's not easy. And when you look at the form of other teams, Callum, for some reason, the number of games is never also given as an excuse for Solskjaer. It's certainly acceptable for Klopp. It's certainly acceptable for other managers to use it as an excuse. But for some reason, it's not for Solskjaer. And it very rarely is even referenced when talking about United's defeats or poor performances. So I think uh, for me, you know, there's if Solskjaer finishes in the top three this season, where he's within 10 points of the top that would be a success to me. He has to win a trophy too for me. But one of the things that was said a while ago, and it was right, Solskjaer gets the result when he needs it. I know what, he, I know what the journalist meant when he said that. Every time he's on the verge of getting sacked, he finds a win. That's a United team that's playing for him, that wants him there, clearly. right? And uh, that's uh, I think he deserves so much credit for being on the brink so many times and finding a way to survive, and finding a way for United to find form to where he, he, I think he's, overall, if he left today, you'd have to say he'd done a good job. I, th- I think when you look at the, the third place finish last season, could United have expected uh, that, really, given the position they were in pre-Bruno Fernandes? Uh, for me, no. Um, he got the club into third place. There was obviously debate over the transfers this summer. If he can get the club into into the top four and win a trophy, I think that's I think that's a level of progression. Um, some mm-hmm. people might disagree, but I think it's a level of progression. Um, or if you can get within ten points of the top, of course, that would be clearly progress uh, in motion as well. What, what I want to say about fixtures, Phil, and you, you've hit the nail on the head. I'm actually fed up of, of guys like Klopp and others moaning about the fixture schedule. I know it's congested. We all know it's congested, but crucially. Who voted for all the games to be on television? The Premier League clubs. Mm-hmm. Who was happy to sign the contract and take the money, the billions that they get over the course of the three-year terms? The Premier League clubs. And over here in the UK, interviewer Des Kelly put it to Klopp. Rather than moaning at me, I'm an interviewer, I don't own BT Sports. Rather than moaning at me, why don't you go and speak to your chief executive? Why don't you go and speak to your board? Because you guys signed up for this deal. We're not holding you to ransom to play on a Saturday at half past 12. You signed up to this and agreed to it. And and for me, is he trying to get excuses in early because maybe he feels his team aren't going to succeed as much as he wants them to this season? I don't quite know, but you're spot on when you say that Solskjaer doesn't get that level of respect. He doesn't get the. It doesn't even get brought into the conversation about fixture congestion because apparently, mm-hmm. as you've said, it doesn't affect him, and he's one game away from the sack, according to some people, every so often. And again, 
he has proven people wrong before. Last season, he proved mm-hmm. an awful lot of people wrong, United fans included. I would love nothing more uh, than for him to do it again. But the home form has to be better. And just one last wee point on Cavani. You talked about Cavani if teams are sitting back. I agree, because Cavani's someone that can hold the ball up. He's someone that can hold it to let you get your players forward into the opposition half. Because the problem with counter-attacking football, as you and I both know, is when it becomes a sort of ping-pong ball contest, balls coming back, balls going forth, you need to get up the pitch to put teams under pressure that are sitting back and playing a low block. That's the only way you're going to create chances against them. You can't have someone being isolated. And for me, that's where Cavani is key, because I think he holds the ball up more than Martial does. Yeah, look, I'll get to Cavani in one other second. Just want to finish up on Solskjaer. Some of the things that he's doing, Callum, are on scene that Mourinho didn't do, that Van Hal didn't do. And that is, he, the, what you see in United's first team, right, with that 4 3 3 typically, or 4 2 3 1, whatever way they play, right, but it's all based on moving the ball quickly, passing, opening up teams, um, and, and, playing with creativity rather than defending, 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 head on the break score. This is He's trying to re-establish United's identity as a team on the attacking front foot. If you look at United's youth teams from the under-23s under down, you now see that go right throughout the club. This is exactly what needs to happen. There needs to be a consistency, just like you see at clubs like Bayern Munich, right? where at all levels at that football club, they play a certain way. So that when they take a player from their youth team, reserve team, whatever, Bayern B, and put them in their first team, they're totally familiar with what they're being asked to do. Nothing's an alien to them. It, it, it's a, Barcelona did this, you know. Uh, this, is, this is what football, real football clubs do. They have a mould and they remain consistent. Solskjaer's adapted that all throughout the football club. You look at United's passing at lower level. They're now bringing in technical players from across the world that are capable of doing that. They're now bringing in players that resemble what their first team does so that when they're bringing young players through, they fit the system. They're not young players that are quite good but don't fit the system. They end up getting moved on because they can't play in the team that they're being asked to play in. Um, that is very encouraging and that never gets included in the analysis. So I think that you know, one of the things that Martin Edwards always quite said about Ferguson was, you know, lots of people didn't see the work was going on behind the scenes, right? And that's true also of Solskjaer. Solskjaer may be the first manager since Ferguson that has taken that has taken an interest outside of the first team and implemented a, a playing style that's consistent at all levels. That's really really important. You know, if you go back to Van Hal's first press conference, he was asked about what his responsibility was when it comes to United's youth teams and everything, given his track record, and he unequivocally said, I've been told to ignore it, to not worry about it. So it's good to see United also as a football club retain, remain, uh, uh, regaining that focus on beyond the first team to make sure United have depth at all levels um, and players that resemble each other that can come in and fit a system. Um, I want to talk about Cavani, obviously, uh, Callum here, <clears throat> which is a very, very delicate subject. And let me make a couple of concessions before I even touch it. You and I are two white guys, so it's not for you and me to determine what is offensive and what isn't. So uh, we can't turn around and say someone of a different race or ethnicity shouldn't be offended at something. It's absolutely not, a, not our place to say that. All I'm going to say is a couple of things. 
it's not analogous to Suarez because, first of all, Cavani immediately admitted that it was an incorrect use of the word. He didn't double down on it. I understand the colloquial defence. You know, my wife is South American, right? And they context and everything is different, right? But we can't be hypocrites here, right? Because we can't turn around and say Luis Suarez was completely wrong um, and, and it was indefensible and then defend Cavani for using it. it should, it's, it's a word that should not be used to describe anybody. Simple as that, right? Whether it has a colloquial defence in, in South America or not, Edison Cavani's been in Europe long enough to know that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to describe anyone in that, uh, those terms. That being said, people make mistakes, right? So I don't, do, do I think Edison Cavani is racist? Of course I don't think he's racist, right? And it's, did he say something that could be perceived as racist? Sure, of course, right? But that's different. So an unintended consequence is completely different from an intended consequence. Luis Suarez had a deliberate intent to, to, uh, to insult Patrice Evra. There was no context other than this was meant as a pejorative insult to uh, to um, Patrice Evra. So when we look at Bruno uh, Bernardo Silva, he got banned for one game last season for that uh, look-alike with Raheem Sterling. My guess is Cavani will probably get something similar. It's not the same as Suarez. Um, he immediately admitted he was wrong. It was deleted after seven minutes. That's exactly how you respond to that. You don't double down. You don't get T-shirts. You don't go and have these semantic defences, which is insanity. People, footballers are human beings. They make mistakes. Just admit that. So Cavani done something stupid. He's not a racist. He's posted something that was wrong. It shouldn't be used to describe anybody. And also, white guys should not be t saying what is racist and what isn't. Because you're not the intended recipient. You're not the victim. Okay? I, so, I, I agree with Phil, and, and I, just want to, I just want to come in there yeah, and man. just say, I echo what you've said. Um, I, don't, I don't have much else to add there, because I think you've covered that very well. Um, as you say, the, 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 the colloquial terms, etc., that, that, that may be brought up, I couldn't possibly pretend to understand the context of those because I've never lived in South America I've never even visited South America so um, I, I, th I think you're, you're spot on when you say that there's so many people whether it be in the social media bubble um, who think right okay he means this by doing this he means that by doing this the brutal honesty from myself yourself we, we, we've not lived in the culture that Cavani mm -hmm. has Crucially, you've summed up that he's been in Europe for a period of time and he should know better. He's apologised. He reacted immediately after seven minutes, as you've said. And when you make a mistake, I think that's the best possible way to react in, in, in a sticky situation. I think if you hold your hands up and admit, look, I'm a human being, I got it wrong, people mm -hmm. can come to terms with it rather than defend the indefensible. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Look, Cal, I've posted stuff on social media that upon reflection, um, I've looked at and went, Oh my God, I can completely understand why someone would interpret that differently. And that was not my intent. That was not my intent, right? Because you know, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm, I'm, I'm not a linguist. I'm not an expert. You know, I want to make mistakes just like Cavani will. Um, and the, the, you're right. The first thing you do is apologize, acknowledge it's wrong, learn from it, grow from it, and don't do it again, right? Uh, and show genuine contrition. I think Cavani's done all that. It's just such a shame because now we're talking about this instead of his two goals, 
right? And and it's just extra incredibly frustrating. Of course, people are going to pounce on it and exaggerate it and blow it out of proportion, not because they have any concern about racism, but they'll use it to point score, right? And so th this is the way of the world. You know, people will fake uh, a fake outrage over this, but really it's about criticising the Manchester United player um, and using it to hung John quarter. So uh, I think, again, Callum, uh, it's not for you and me to decide what is offensive and what isn't. That's for other people to decide. Um, and I, I, by no means am I saying uh, you know, Cavani's a victim here. He certainly isn't. Uh, he, he, he shouldn't have said it. It's a mistake. And show genuine contrition and, and move on. Uh, you know, so uh, I think it's just so unfortunate. But all in all, um, so many things to be positive about at the weekend, Callum. Very, very important win. Uh, the emergence of other players now that are match winners for Manchester United um, and almost felt like the, f the weekend I fell in love with Cavani. <laughs> well, you, you, you mentioned the fact that, that your wife is South American. Maybe it's just mm -hmm. an interest that you have. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, it was just... Mate, listen, it, first of all, when you're signing a player, you want to sign a striker more than anyone because they bring Absolutely. goals, they bring excitement. Uh, when he needed to send Cavani, I said at the time, look, I understand the criticism that comes in its way, but that shouldn't mean that they shouldn't be able to go out and send players like Cavani when they're available. They're top-class strikers. Of course he's going to improve United. And, and the example that he gives to people like Mason Greenwood of how to live like a professional and other young players, how to live as a consummate professional, right? This is a guy that's behind only Ronaldo and Messi, I believe, in the goal-scoring charts across Europe. Just, this is an amazing, amazing striker. And you see his value at the weekend and the, the example that young Mason Greenwood will, will get from working with a guy like this um, and learning how to be a professional off the field. Because the other thing, i just finish up here, Cam. The other thing Mason Greenwood is dealing with, and I'm not going to repeat this on the air exactly what, but there's a lot of stories floating around about the kid that I feel are really, really unfair. And they've been shared with me, and I won't, I won't uh, share them. I won't, I won't amplify them because I think they're very unfair, they're very harsh, and there's predetermined judgments being made about this kid that has got to be very difficult. He's still a teenager, he's still a child in many ways. He's still a young kid, and I think that we all have to take a look at ourselves. And I certainly know when I was a young lad, I was far from perfect, and. Um, you know, just because Mason Greenwood is a professional footballer doesn't stop him being a human being, doesn't mean he's not a typical 19-year-old. You know, so I think uh, Mason's at a point where he needs protection, he needs guidance, he needs a, a positive example like Edison Cavani. He's a superlative talent. I have no doubt he'll go on to be one of the greatest players. Well, a, a top, top striker, he, he, he has everything. Um, but uh, he just, to me, needs taken out of the, the first team for a wee bit to where that pressure's not on to win games because you need, need to win games. And I think that he needs to swap with Cavani over the next few weeks. Well, mate, as I said at the start of the show, folks, please check out this guy's podcast at Football CFB. It is littered with the biggest names in football. I'm so proud of him. He's doing an unbelievable job. Every day he's coming out with something new. I love the energy. I love what he's doing. He's well worth a listen, uh, and I give him a follow on Twitter at FootballCFB. Absolute gentleman. Calm, all the best, mate. Thank you so much. All the best. Take care. Cheers, folks. Bye bye.